Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Heal Squad, you know how instrumental Dr. Joe Dispenza has been in Maria's healing journey, and that's why we are so excited to reshare this episode with you today. Dr. Joe talks about how your thoughts can either heal you or they can make you sick. He teaches us how we can reprogram, rewire our mind, and how we can break those negative thought patterns, break those bad habits, and create our own destiny. It's all inside of you. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. And if you've already heard it, I guarantee you will hear something new that will change your life. So take those notes and please, please, please Share it with someone who you think could benefit. This show is changing our lives. It's changing so many people's lives, but we want it to change everyone's life. So share it with a friend and leave us that five-star review if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us. All right. We love you, Heal Squad. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That is our goal here every single day. It's your daily life improvement experience, not home improvement. Life improvement. There's plenty of those. Uh, We're here to give you the tools to help you grow in all areas of life. And we love doing it every single day. I've devoted my life to this the last uh, few years after brain surgery and having my own epiphanies and saying, I need to do things a little bit better. Well, guess what, friends? That's what we do. Right, Queenies? That's right. Right. Kelsey and Pooja, otherwise known as Queenies. Every single day. (laughs) That's right. Um, and we're getting better every single day, right along with you. That's the cool part is we're on the journey with you. We don't know everything. We want to learn more. And every day we throw a little new nugget into our lives and we change them. But today we're going to throw some major nuggets into our lives. Lots of nuggets. Lots of nuggets. Um, and if you remember this at the end, because you're going to hear a really incredible series with Dr. Joe Dispenza, who is changing people's lives, um, and changed my life as well. Um, if you go to mariamenunos.com, we will link that in the summary of this. We have these things called life hack blogs, and we will give you the shorthand tips of all of this in there. So you can just listen to this freely on your hike, on your treadmill, wherever you guys listen. We know where you listen, you heel squatters out there. Um, and so wherever you are, 
afterwards you have access to that. So do not forget. Also, if you go to the website, I have my favorite, you know, shop items. You can pick my, you know, favorite fashion and beauty and all of that. And other amazing experiences like our Patreon, if you want to go deeper and we have monthly heel events as well there. So check it out. It's a little bit of fun for you. Uh, Our quote of the day comes from Dr. Joe Dispenza. The only way we can change our lives is to change our energy, to change the electromagnetic field we are constantly broadcasting. In other words, to change our state of being, we have to change how we think and how we feel. So today we're going to be talking about how to change your thoughts, to change your reality, how much we are in control of our lives. And we've given so much of it out to the environmental, you know, factors to other people, to other things. And we're just being dragged into this kind of future rather than creating our future and getting excited about it and how we're thinking all of these negative thoughts and we're, we're wasting our energy reserve every day on anger and fear and stress and worry. For me, all of those were consuming me and giving me you know, depleted energy levels and I needed coffee around the clock to keep going because I was misusing my energy. Um, and then that was getting me sick. So having studied Dr. Joe's work, um, we did do an interview with him years ago, but now I've really dug deep and it's life-changing as you all know. Um, I've been talking about this for a very long time now. Today we have Dr. Joe Dispenza in studio. So honored. He's an international lecturer, speaker, researcher, corporate consultant, New York times, bestselling author and educator. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree and is a doctor of chiropractic. He's a researcher of epigenetics, quantum physics, neuroscience, mind-body medicine, and brain and heart coherence. He's driven by the conviction that each person has the potential for greatness and unlimited abilities, and his interest lies in demystifying the mystical so that people have all the tools within their reach to make measurable changes in their lives. I now count myself as one of them. In our first episode with Dr. Joe, he shared his journey that led him to his work, healing his back from a massive car crash, multiple breaks in his spine, solely with his mind. I cannot wait to dive deeper today into his work and share and hopefully inspire you to take control of your thoughts and your life and redirect them to a blissful experience. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Joe Dispenza. Dr. Joe Dispenza, thank you for being with us. Uh, I'm so happy to be with you again, Maria. I'm so happy. It was funny. uh, Our mutual friend, Kristen, wanted to have you come back on the show. And I said, no, 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 let me do the event first. I need to know what everyone else knows and I want to go through all of it. So now this is going to be so much better. And I started thinking about all the people that you interview. I'm like, I wonder how many of them have done it because I listened to their interviews and I'm like, I don't think they've done it. So this will be a very unique one. No, that's a, I, I would love to have that conversation. It's the difference between going down the slopes once and going down the slopes and get really getting you know into it. So yeah. yeah. Well, and you had moved me after our first episode. I read um, the placebo effect and I was using a lot of the kind of principles with my mom and her cancer journey. And I know it was super helpful. Like my mom and I, we never thought the worst. We only thought positive thoughts and we, you know, her chemo wasn't chemo. It was her healing pills. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we did little things like that along the way, but 
this week and the months of ne- leading up to it of doing the formula first, the progressive course online, because I did all of it. Thank you. Uh, and you probably <laughs> had a better experience because you did. I thought everybody was so lame that didn't because I had such profound experiences before I even got there. Yeah. I got to the point the week before I showed up where I looked at my husband, I said, I think I could pick up a car with my happiness, with my joy, and just with a smile hoisted up over my head. That's how I was feeling. And nothing else had done that for me. And then I went to the week long and life completely changed, as you I'm sure have heard a zillion times, and it's lasted. So when I've gone to other events, my husband will be like, oh yeah, I'll talk to you in three days. And he laughs because it doesn't really last. Um, Not that they haven't been impactful. Yes, there have been lessons I've taken, but this has completely changed me. I am a whole new person. I am completely new. And I want to share with people, obviously the basics for anybody who's new to this, um, and just all of the things that I've seen, and maybe through me, they'll be able to learn a little bit more because I was not someone who was ever going to go to a meditation event. And this is what I do for a living every single day. My goal every day is to get better and help other people get better along with me. And we're on this journey and we're going to find all these things, modalities and, and, and new perspectives and really try to, to get there. But meditations <laughs> were tough. <laughs> And I had gotten onto Yoga Nidra, and that was cool because they were taking your awareness to different places, which was actually a nice setup, Um, but nothing has been this. I keep telling everyone, and I wrote it in my notebook. This was my notebook from the event. This is the way. There's no other way. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. So uh, I guess we start with the basic principles of the work so people can kind of understand what it is because it's not just meditations no i mean i mean i think the most important thing is that we're in a time in history where it's not enough to know we're in a time in history to know how and and what i venture to do is take sound scientific information i think science is the contemporary language of mysticism i think science is what allows us to demystify that process. And if we talk tradition or religion or culture, it divides an audience, but science creates unity. So my job is to build a model of understanding that people could reason with based on science and, and bring in as many different branches of science for them to understand it intellectually, theoretically, philosophically. But the application personalization, the demonstration of that knowledge, you know, is, is, is getting your behaviors to match your intentions and initiate something. So my interest is to get people to go from thinking to doing, right? Mm. And, and to demystify the process so that people have within their reach all the measurable tools to begin to apply them to their lives. Okay. So, so it's a really simple thing. Um, you know, your personality creates your personal reality. That's it. And your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel. So if you keep thinking the same way, you keep acting the same way, you keep feeling the same way, everything stays the same in your life because nothing changes in your life until you change, right? Mm-hmm. So turns out if you keep thinking the same way, making the same choices, doing the same things, creating the same experiences, and feeling the same emotions, or responding to your life in the exact same way... Um, you keep doing that, 
your biology tends to get more rigid. Uh, we fire and wire the same circuits. We hardwire our brain, and they, it only takes a small stimulation or a small thought or a response to someone or something. And like a sequence of thoughts, it's, it just turns on automatically. So, so your biology, your, your neurochemistry, your neurohormones, your genes, your, everything stays the same because you're the same. So crisis and trauma is always the thing that gets a person to really start looking at, how do I really change, right? So, so we want to tell people, Let's not wait for that. Mm-hmm. Let's let's learn and change in a state of growth and inspiration. So, so if you keep doing those same things over and over again, the middle life period, we we become very very programmable. So, in order for us to change, we have to become conscious of how we think. We have to become really aware of how we behave, what our habits are, even how we speak. Now, this is a tough one. We have to really look at the emotions that we live by every single day and, and say, wow, this, this actually could be unworthiness. Uh, this could actually be guilt. But if you're too busy with your cell phone and your social media and you're too busy with your kids and running around and, and all you, your environment can distract you from these feelings. So my interest is to get people to retreat from their lives, right? Just for five, seven days, and, and remove the constant stimulation in their external environment that reminds them of who they think they are as a personality, to separate themselves from the people they know and the places they go and the things they do at the exact same time, and then fill their brain with knowledge and information and then remind them that they're actually creating their life. So if your personality creates your personal reality, uh, that means then if in order for you to change your personal reality, you got to change your personality. So the one of the basic core principles of our work is really uh, this concept of change. And what is change? How do we change? Why is change so hard? Because mm-hmm. we all say it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> change well, is hard. I is. used to say that too. I'm like, Kevin's so good at changing. I'm not good at changing. <laughs> it turns out I'm really good at it. <laughs> yeah. Once you, once you know how yeah. and you understand the formula, it gets very simple to really all of a sudden sit with yourself long enough. This is what I want people to do. I want them to sit with themselves long enough that they can become so familiar with, the word meditation, to become familiar with, to become so conscious of their unconscious thoughts that they don't go unconscious of them in their waking day. You know, that belief like, I can't, why why can't I change, or why is change so hard for me? Mm -hmm. To become so aware of how they speak, how they act, if they blame, if they complain, if they make excuses, they feel sorry for them, if they judge other people. I want them to sit with themselves and look at those programs to become so conscious that they don't default and go unconscious again. And then, and then sit long enough uh, with those emotions where you really don't reach for the cell phone now and you're curious to see what's on the other side of it. Or you're given a tool to help you get beyond it, right? If I give people numerous opportunities to overcome themselves, because that's what it is, mm-hmm. and numerous opportunities to connect over and over again. Sooner or later, it's going to start to create some movement. So then the person should then, in that place called the unknown, start thinking about what thoughts they do want to fire and wire in their brain. And with intention and attention, when that voice is saying, I can, it's too hard, I'll never change, this becomes the louder voice. And that voice and nerve cells that no longer fire together, no longer wire together. Okay, so if I keep that up, I can install hardware that can become like a software program, which would be like the new voice in my head that says, Maria, you actually can change. It's not that hard. 
you, you actually prove that to yourself by getting beyond that thought. There's something on the other side of it, right? That's called the unknown. If you closed your eyes and thought about how you were going to be in one day, just with your family, with your relationships, with your job, with your coworkers, in traffic, how are you going to be? Like, what would greatness look like? If you took the time to really rehearse those scenes in your mind, you would do the exact same thing as thinking about them. You would begin to install more hardware, priming your brain for the act to cause your brain to look like you've already done it. That's what the research shows. So I want people to remind themselves of who they do want to be and get very familiar with it. Fire and wire, fire Mm -hmm. and wire. And then focus equals feeling, right? So if you're focusing on it nonstop, you're going to start to feel it. Which is the next thing. And the last thing then is, which is the toughest part for people, because we've been programmed and hypnotized into waiting for the event out there to occur to take away the lack or the pain that we feel inside of us. So the event produces the experience of when the wealth comes, when the relationship comes down, I'm going to be happy. Well, turns out you got to feel it in order for it to happen in the quantum. So if we can teach people how to self-regulate their emotional state, right, and feel the feeling before the event, the body is so objective that it doesn't know the difference between the real-life experience that's creating that emotion And the emotion that that person is fabricating by thought alone, the body's believing it's living in a new environment. Well, the research on epigenetics says it's the environment that signals the gene. Okay, well, the end product of an experience from the environment is an emotion. So when people are embracing these emotions ahead of the environmental experience, they're signaling genes ahead of the environment. They're actually, their gratitude is actually healing them. Their wholeness is moving them back towards health. Um, their empowerment is taking them towards success. They're, they're generating abundance. They're feeling more worthy. Uh, and, and, and it turns out when we measure what happens, there are dramatic biological changes that take place in one week that actually suggest that that person is literally living in a new environment and they're in a ballroom. And there's not a lot that happens in a ballroom. And I keep saying to the scientists, where are those chemicals coming from? <laughs> Where are they coming from? Where are they coming from? They're not, there's no exogenous substance that the person's taking to make these wonderful proteins and these wonderful enzymes and all these metabolites. It's coming from within them, right? So then I think the big thing, Maria, is that people do the best with what they think is available. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know that you can heal yourself, you'll make the choice that everybody else makes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have such great evidence that suggests that you actually can because we have great evidence and testimony. We have people doing it mm-hmm. with all kinds of cancers. We talked to them this week. Yeah, and, and we, I was in Panama last weekend. We had a woman on the stage who had a severe cancer, no ounce of cancer in her body anywhere. We had another one on the stage this weekend in Denver same exact thing. It was, it was all over her body. Tumors. She's a physician. Up and down her spine. Nothing. Oh, I just got the chills. So, so you. That's the four-minute mile. I always laugh when it's a a physician, or not laugh. I'm always like, kind of like, wow, because how can they go back to the other way yeah. when they know this is yeah. a much more powerful and much more successful way? That's 
Well, once you know, you can't not know, right? But the cool thing is, is that the conversations that we're having with physicians and researchers now, I mean, our data, people say, are you saying meditation does this, meditation does that? I say, no, 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 I'm not saying that the data is saying that. I'm I'm really, I keep telling the scientists, I'm more surprised than anybody. (laughs) I'm really, I keep saying, wow, I can't believe this is the truth. I can't believe it because... This is no longer pseudoscience. This is this is the real deal. So, so when the when we see a cancer researcher standing on the stage with a sarcoma, uh, and, and she's tried every chemo and every uh, drug trial, and and she's not getting mental, she starts to realize she has to change. And the science makes sense to her. The application, the personalization, the initiation is something that she does because nothing else is working. So she's got to believe in this possibility. And in order for her to do that, she has to believe in herself. And lo and behold, she found the cure for cancer and it's been within her yeah. the whole entire time. So, well, it's so, like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. Well, yeah. It's like you had the power all along. Yeah, exactly. So, so we, have, we have that testimony that's so exciting. And then we have such great scientific evidence, you know, and evidence really is the voice mm-hmm. now. And so I think that when people become aware that it is possible, once you're conscious of something that you're unconscious about and you actually see the four-minute mile in front mm-hmm. of you, um, you're more prone to actually accept, believe, and surrender that it's possible for you. And I think uh, we see this at week-long events, just like a, an infection spreads amongst the community and creates disease, health and wellness becomes as infectious as disease. And the data keeps surprising us, surprising us, surprising us. And these are common people, mm-hmm. uh, just like you and I. So so the concept of transformation is a really important message. And, and we use meditation as the mechanism because I want people to become so familiar with their old personality mm-hmm. self that they don't default anymore and keep reaffirming that new personality. It's so much easier to forget that vision than mm-hmm. to remember it. So you gotta constantly remind yourself, reproduce the same level of mind. You gotta constantly emotionally embrace it. Keep conditioning the body, the thought and the feeling, the image and the emotion, the stimulus and response. You're conditioning your body into the future instead of waking up every morning and remembering your problems and those problems are associated with people and objects and things at certain times and places, and every one of those problems has an emotion associated with it. So people are remembering their past and they're feeling the emotions. They're firing and wiring the same circuits and feeling the same emotion. They're conditioning their body into the past, and that's why change is so hard. Because the moment you step out from doing the same thing and making a different choice, there's going to be some discomfort because the body subconsciously has been programmed emotionally into the past. So the, the moment you make a different choice, you're stepping out of the known into the unknown. The body starts influencing the mind to return back to the familiar place. That's why people have difficulty changing. And yet, if meditation is the model to become f- so familiar with your old self and so familiar with your new self, how many times do we have to forget until we stop forgetting and start remembering? That's the moment called change, mm-hmm. okay? Give people the tools and let them practice, and they'll actually start enjoying it. Okay. But if you're not being defined by a vision of the future, uh, I assert you're left with the memories of the past, and you'll be predictable in your life. So you wake up in the morning, you see your coworker, you see your husband, you see you're on a Zoom call, you're picking up your cell phone. For most people, it's the environment that's actually causing them to think and feel equal to everything that they know. So it's not their personality that's creating their personal reality. It's their personal reality that's reaffirming their personality. It's their environment Mm. that's controlling the way they feel and the way they think. Why? Because every person, 
your husband, your coworkers, your, your employees, your dog, your cell phone, every one of those things, you have a neurological network that you've actually created because you've experienced them. And because you've experienced them, you have an emotion associated with them. So if we're not being defined by a vision of the future, when we see the same people and we go to the same places and we do the exact same thing at the exact same time, the environment is controlling the way we feel and the way we think, but if how we think and how we feel actually creates our life, as long as we're thinking equal to everything that we know, everything stays the same because nothing changes in our life until we change. Okay, so the conditioning process, the thought and the feeling, the memory and the emotion, you're thinking in the past when you remember your problems, you feel the emotion associated with it, you're, you're conditioning your body to become the mind of that emotion and it's so objective, it's believing it's living in the same past experience 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And, and now you're headed in a very specific genetic outcome. Okay, you get up, you get up in the morning, you do the same thing as you did yesterday. You go through this whole routine and you keep doing that, your body's on autopilot now. And a habit is a redundant set of automatic unconscious thoughts, behaviors, and emotions that's acquired through repetition. Habit is when you've done something so many times, the body actually knows now how to do it better than your conscious mind. That means <laughs> your body is the mind that's dragging you into that predictable future based on what you did in the past, and you lost your free will mm. to a set of programs. Yep. So then, okay, so meditation then becomes really, really essential because we're either living in the familiar past, which is the conditioning process emotionally, or the predictable future, which is the habituation, right? Yeah. That's the anticipation of the same, of yeah, the Yeah, you're just being dragged in the future and just like a rag doll thrown around. That's, that's what it feels like. And that's karma. You just take up your yesterday and just lift it up and set it on your tomorrow, yeah. and you're, 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 there's no unseen hand doing that to us. So, okay, so now let's think about meditation and demystify it another way. Okay, the environment is that seductive. It'd be a really good idea to close my eyes and disconnect from the environment. Let me play some music in the background so I can't hear the coffee maker. Uh, I'll close the door. It'll, the music will fill the space. I won't hear all, any ambient sounds. Okay, let me sit my body down. It's been the mind. I've programmed it to be this way. It's Explain always, that for people because that's yeah. always hard. Okay, so you sit down in a meditation. Five minutes goes by and you start getting impatient. Uh, well, what's impatience? That's your body saying, hey, what's going on? I need some emotional... I need something from my environment and we need to get up and do something. The moment you start wanting to get up and do something, most people would say, I, I really can't meditate and they quit. That's because the program, the will, the, they've lost their free will to that program. But if you say, um, that's not gonna happen today, no. And you say, get over here and you settle your body back into the present moment. You learn how to do that. Or as you say, You're, tame the beast. Yeah, well, you were settling down the animal. And when you do that, you're executing a will that's greater than the program. Then your body says, hey, Maria, it's uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. This is when you usually watch the news and have a, an emotional storm. Uh, you're sitting in a meditation. Okay, well, let me help you out with some memories from your past so you could actually feel that arousal. And you notice your body started getting angry and started getting agitated. And most people say, I can't meditate. But if you say, oh, that's my body, which has been conditioned emotionally to be that way, it's gonna go back to the past. Ah, let me bring it back to the present moment. Let's understand how to do that. Let's learn the formula. And if you're laboring for the present moment and you're telling the body it's no longer the mind, you're the mind. Just like training an animal. Sooner or later, it's gonna to surrender to a new mind. And when it does, there's a liberation of energy. And the person actually relaxes 
into the present moment, the sweet spot of the generous present moment. And does, does it take effort? Absolutely. But if you ask everybody who does it, or who has done it, they'll say it's always worth the effort. So then meditation becomes really instrumental because to change is to be greater than your body, to be greater than your environment, to be greater than time. And meditation is a great way to disconnect from your environment, to get beyond your body and all of its drives and its emotions and habits and not try to anticipate what's gonna happen in the predictable future or keep romancing the familiar past and the memories and the feelings. You, you gotta get beyond that. That's the, that's, that's the known. The only place where the unknown could exist is the sweet spot of that present moment and teaching people how to stay relaxed in their heart and awake in their brain. That somehow seems to make a significant change in a person's attitude and their biology and their health and everything else. Hmm. I know because I did it. I I told you at the beginning I had a hard time with meditation. I still did it because I was eager. I knew people were having breakthroughs with it and their lives were changing. But sitting still for twenty minutes and doing TM didn't work for me. Um, and then I tried different ones. Some of them felt really good in certain periods of time. And then I would switch to something else. And then I was doing yoga nidra before all of this came back up. And then my friend Marie Forleo, who had gone to your event in January, came back and she said, you got to do this. And I'm like, I'd rather poke out my eyeballs than do a meditation event for a week. I can't meditate for 20 minutes. What am I going to do for a whole week? And she said, I'm just telling you, I feel like you. there's a calling for you to go do this. And she said that she felt like a snake that came out of her skin. And something about that connected. And I go, oh, shit, I got to do this. And I got right on and I started the formula And I just spent the whole day, I tell the girls, I'm like, it's like when you have to clean that one room and you never clean it and it's, it drags and it it holds you down. And then when you start cleaning, you feel good and you're really happy. You actually took the day to do that. That's what this is. You just got to spend a few hours, give yourself some time to jump in. So I did. And I kept watching class after class after class. And I got so addicted. And within three days, all of my anxiety disappeared. And then I heard you say it on stage. A couple of people have said that. It was like someone gave me a tranquilizer to my face and my tongue unglued from the roof of my mouth, my teeth unclenched. I stopped chewing and grinding and all of that. And that wasn't why I did this. It just happened because my body wasn't used to being still. And and that was like so, so helpful. And then I was all in from there. I did the progressive. And then I just kept getting more happier and happier and happier. And I looked forward to sitting in my meditation chair and going in yeah. and feeling those feelings. And I didn't understand everything all the way through. I just, I'm someone who just goes all in and I don't, I don't worry about the things I don't know. I, I eventually figured stuff out and eventually things all connected, but I was reaping the benefits, even maybe getting maybe 60% of it officially, whatever I was getting was making a difference and the settling of the brain and the calmness my body felt was so unbelievable. And then everything that I was watching transpire during the week was so cool because I would be confronted with myself in so many scenarios, like a girl fell on me. And then, then we went down into the meditation and our bracelets were jiggling and I was getting so annoyed. And I'm like, Maria, this is your week to heal. What are you doing? Don't worry about her bracelets, tune them out. And then I would tune them out and then I'd hear them again and I get angry again. And I'm like, Maria, 
This is where the tumor came from. It came from anger. It came from you worrying and stressing and fearing and all these things. And so by the end of the week, when someone else fell on me, it was a whole different story. I was completely <laughs> compassionate. And go, it, sister, go. Yeah, but there were so many of those mirror moments. Like before yeah. we went into the coherence healing, I had a moment. So one of the things I focused on in my new life was my H with my squiggly lines. Mm-hmm. And it was my full mind, body, and soul healing. And I was like, how is that going to happen? That's a tall freaking order. But I was like that's what I want. So let's just say it, whatever. And when I was at the event, I knew the body part because I had seen the testimonials of people healing from extraordinary circumstances. And then it hit me one day because I realized we're cleaning our mind and our thoughts. Holy shit. That's the mind. I'm healing the mind. Oh my God. So now I'm two out of three. And then before that first healing, I... I, something hit me and I was always a few steps ahead of you. And it was so funny because I felt things coming probably. But I was like, I can't fully heal if I don't forgive. Shit, I got to forgive my brother. (laughs) And I'm like, I've done this before and it hasn't worked, but I have no choice. I have to forgive him. So I grabbed my phone. Now I had a phone detox that week and I was slightly mad that we had to use it for our our meditations, but then it actually was a positive because I trained myself to only go in for that and not to look at the other stuff. You always have a choice, right? So I grabbed my phone to text him. It was his birthday. Wow. And I was like, okay, soul healing. Here we go. So there were so many of these things, even just being there that week, I'll selfishly take one minute to share. Um, I had planned on going to Tijuana to heal the brain tumor. And I said, this is my time. I I took care of my mom for five years. She passed. It's now my time to heal. And the woman from the facility, who I've been working in tandem with for five years with my mom, never got back to me. I was begging her to get in there, March or April, begging. And then I'm at your event and I go, holy shit, Kristen got me to this event. I'm miles away from the clinic in Tijuana. And what am I doing? I'm healing myself. And guess what? This is actually, I know 100% going to work. What are the odds that this all kind of came to me and came together? It was really special. So there were a lot of holy shit moments. <laughs> I want, But you know, the, the great thing about that is, A, I want everybody to have that experience. And B, when you're at a greater level of awareness, everything seems to be more connected. That's what the quantum is. So you're playing at that level. The synchronicities, the serendipities, the coincidences are actually informing you that you actually are creating your life. And that's the difference between being the victim of your life and being the creator of your life. Because when the environment is controlling the way we feel and the way we think, some person, some circumstance, some condition, what does that really mean? That means that person or circumstance is actually causing me to think and feel a certain way. and 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 and. I, I don't think I have any control of it, then I must be victim to that circumstance, right? And yeah. that's a program, right? Yeah. So so I, I realized in my own journey also that if I don't change my response to things in my life, I'll never change. Mm-hmm. So, so 
it's not even, it's not that you respond, the question really is how long, right? So when you become aware that your environment is controlling how you think and feel and your response changes, watch out because that, now you no longer belong to the past. You actually belong to the future. So get a coherent heart. We know how to do that really well. Get a coherent brain. We can do that really well. Have people take all of their attention on the, off the material world, off of everything known. Go from a convergent focus to a divergent focus. we got the data to prove that if you keep putting your attention on nothing, on space, somehow the brain gets highly organized. So now, brain coherence, heart coherence, you synchronize your energy to whatever it is you want. And you got to sustain that state. You can't. We've had people that have healed themselves from Parkinson's disease, from cancers, from ALS, literally re remission of the condition and then have bad news. And in one hour driving to the hospital, all of their symptoms came back after being completely healed for two years. That's how strong Ugh. those emotions are, right? So, so, so in your circumstance, right, I want people... I want people to have those moments where they have to literally choose because I think when it's the hardest, it matters the most. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. So, so all those things where you were agitated with a person having their moment, you know, that could be you having your moment, right? And you would want someone yeah. to just like, like, that person doesn't want to do that. They're yeah. just having their thing, right? So, But it was interrupting my thing. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> By the way, you can use those pillows on your back if you want to like <laughs> no, have no, a little fine. lumbar. <laughs> uh, but, but it's so essential because when you, when you realize actually that you have control mm -hmm. over your thoughts, that, that means that, that actually you have control over your brain. And most people, the brain has control over them when it's hardwired. You got to disentangle from those programs and you need a little time. You need a, it, takes, it takes energy yeah. and it takes awareness, right? So the synchronicities that are the side effect of a change in energy, because I've been at this for a long time and I can tell you that uh, nobody changes until they change their energy. And when yeah. you change your energy, you change your life. It's just the way it goes. But having a very coherent brain and a coherent heart somehow puts that Wi-Fi signal out. And now those side effects where everything starts to make sense, then, then you don't want to change the past. You know, you're not saying, oh, I'm this way because of the, you're saying, wow, all of that that's leading to this, mm -hmm. I want, I, <laughs> I, 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 this all makes sense. I had to, I had to go this way. Yeah. I've had so many people that were, had brutal pasts. I mean, horrible, horrible circumstances and abuse. The, the moment they had their moment and they finally broke through, they looked at their entire past and they, they, they realized they didn't want to change one thing in their past because it brought them to this mm -hmm. elegant moment of freedom. And it all, they, she looked back at her betrayers. He looked back at his betrayers and they had nothing but understanding and compassion for them. You know, they didn't belong to the past anymore, they belong to the future, they got out. So the side effect of that now is the synchronicities causing you to say, whatever I'm doing in here, whatever this is that I'm doing that's producing that out there, I'm not so interested in reacting or responding and defaulting back to the old yes. self. Because then I'd be, there would I'd be the same energy, the same feelings, the same thoughts, my life would be the same. So now the big game is, okay, we're doing the meditations, but for what? to get so good at doing it with your eyes closed that you can do it with your eyes open. Yeah, I've been doing that now. 
then, 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 then get ready because your life will continue to change in favorable ways. And now here's the thing. My energy was being drained today in a, in a situation. I was getting my nails done and these two girls were having this very intense conversation. And I was like, you can meditate with your eyes open, Maria. And I looked outside and I just started doing it. I'm like, my new life. Yes. My other life, the, the things I want. I started like thinking of all those things and I, I came back fully energized. When you're on the go 24 seven, like me guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials. It's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. What do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Yeah, it takes a lot of energy to feel anger and agitation. In fact, we... Yes, because that was one of the other... So sorry. That was the other big breakthrough. So I was doing the progressive in anticipation of the event, and I had another breakthrough. And my breakthrough was, so this is my energy for the day. And I was like, how am I using it? Anger, stress, fear, worry, annoyance, and then go back to all of it. And then I'm totally drained by two o'clock. I need multiple coffees. And I'm unhappy. And 
I'm just on that kind of hamster wheel. So once that hit me, I go, oh my God, I can change this. Uh, the worry and the fear, none of it has served me really. I mean, in certain circumstances, okay. But for the most part, my husband and I still have the same situations. I chose to worry and fear and live in scarcity. He didn't. Guess who has more issues to deal with? <laughs> me. And we have the same thing. So I, I, every day, this is what I think about. I think about my cup and how am I going to use it? Nice. I'm going to use it to create. I'm going to use it to be light. I'm going to use it to feel light. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create my life. And the things that happen, just like you said in your event, where people would manifest you know, something stupid, like a million dollars that week or whatever, I've already had those moments where I've asked for real stupid big things in my new life. And they're coming to me in ways that I would have never expected. That's the unknown. If you can expect it, it's nothing new because you could predict it. That's the known. It has to come in a way that you can expect. It has to come in a way that you can anticipate. It has to surprise you. It has to leave no doubt that what you're doing inside of you is producing that outcome outside of you. And when that outcome occurs, you pay attention to what you did and you do it with more intention, with yes. more joy, more belief. And wow, then things start really changing in your life. And, yes. and it has to come in that way that you can't predict. That's the fun part. The brain learns by mistakes and surprises. It's, a, it's time for a few surprises. But it's so powerful that, that this is even possible. And so even, for example, this morning, my husband had a colonoscopy. I had to get up. I had to take him. They wouldn't let me stay. It was down the street. I came home. I got back into bed, and I was a little off. Things yesterday were a little, a little things started to get to me, but I, I shifted and I, I, I caught them. I was conscious of those moments, which was good. So at night I asked myself, what, what could I do better? And what, how did it go? I did all of that. I did my meditation. And then, by the way, I do my pineal every night. Wow. I'm impressed. Every night, wow. one to 4 a.m. And I wake up on my own and I don't have to use alarms ever anymore. So for anything. But um, I, I, I got myself into bed and I said, okay, I can't do an official meditation right now because I have to keep the phone on, they're gonna call me. And I don't wanna have a moment where I'm so deep and you know, whatever. So I'm gonna do my own version right now. So I just was doing, I was envisioning my H's all the way up my energy centers as I breathed in, and then I breathed out illness, and I breathed in healing, and I breathed out illness, and I was doing different versions of that. And I got myself into such an unbelievable state that was so blissful that the phone rang. And I answered the phone, and I thought it was the woman calling me for my husband. And some of the words didn't match up, but I was in my, I was still gone. I said, excuse me, could you repeat what you just said? And she said, the alarm went off in your building. Um, someone's broken in. Are you coming? This is ADT. I have a building in North Hollywood. And I said, uh, no, I, I can't. I have to pick up my husband in a few minutes. And they said, okay, well, what would you like to do? I said, send the police. So I hang up with her. And I start thinking, okay, well, I could call this friend to go by there while I pick him up and then we'll go down there. Ah, eh, fuck it. It'll be fine. And I went back into my meditation and I said, there's nothing I can do right now. And whatever, I'd rather feel like this. And I'm not using my stress in my energy bottle. Nice. But th that was my greatest test of all. <laughs> of like course. my greatest test of all, because safety and all of that has always been my number one issue. I went back in and then I went and I picked him up because he texted me and I said, hey, I think we might have to go by the building. He goes, oh no, it was one of our employees that was coming into town and she needed something 
So it was a totally random thing. Nobody goes there right now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have to worry. And, I, and because I didn't worry, nothing bad had happened. Well, better yet, it, you didn't worry and it didn't happen, right? And yeah. I care so much more about my health and my healing right now than anything. I'm yeah. like, oh, those are just materials, whatever. They're insured. I can't, I can't get myself sick. Yeah. So I made a conscious choice to not let that drag me back into the holes of fear and worry and stress and anger and all of that. That's a victory. It was a huge victory. It's a victory. And and thank you cuz I wouldn't have had it without you. Yeah, it's, a, it's a great it's a great testament My to husband you. might make out with you today by the way because <laughs> he is like who the fuck took my wife? <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> and who is this alien? <laughs> no, it's great though because look, I mean back to the idea of getting so good at it with your eyes closed that you can do it with your eyes open. You could have an hour of a blissful meditation and you can spend the next 15 hours of your day freaked out and emotional and frustrated and angry and impatient and resentful, you're not going to heal. You're not going to heal. In fact, we have testimonies of people who said, God, I started doing my meditations, all my symptoms went away, but my values didn't change. Now, oh my God, what am I, what, what, what is the next thing that I have to change? Now, listen, the conversation was, wasn't how come I'm not healing or the conversation is how do I not, how do I heal? That was not the conversation. The conversation was, what do I need to change about myself in order to heal? And then she says, or he says, wow, I'm, I'm spending all of this time in my waking day feeling this way when I'm in my meditation, feeling this way. Okay. Now I got to practice with my eyes open. I got to stay conscious and they start rehearsing how they're going to be in that circumstance so that they don't respond in the same way. This is, this is level 101, but it goes, it's the basics, but it's the most profound because, because when that person started getting really good at catching herself and not responding the same way, her cancer literally the values, everything finally changed because she finally changed Mm -hmm. and it's hard to go back. Yes. When you finally do I make refuse. the change. Yeah. When you finally make the change, it's really hard to go back. I remember in one of my walking meditations, actually my first one, I was like, that's it. And when I say I'm done, I am done. My husband jokes because when I, when I quit eating chicken one time, he's like, my husband, my, my wife doesn't eat chicken. She, when she quits something, she quits. <laughs> I was like, that is it. And, and there was one night I got home at like 2.30 in the morning and I had to be up really early and I couldn't figure out how to do the meditation, the pineal gland, and actually get some sleep. And I've, I've gone to bed at midnight and still woken up and had to be up at seven. Like that doesn't bother me. But this was like, I was only going to get 90 minutes of sleep and I'm like, that might be a little rough. I was not okay the next day. And I was like, okay, great lesson. I see the value of, of getting up and doing this. And also, I wasn't someone who was sleeping at that hour well anyway. I was tossing and turning. I wasn't okay. I go back into bed, and it's like this magic cloud takes my body, and I feel so good. So I had to go back up and look. Um, I had to go back and look up the some of the benefits, and it's like that Valium chemical that yeah, cr- is yeah. created in your body. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I'm high. Yeah. That was actually one of the reasons why I didn't do that meditation that night, because I'm like... I can't wake up and be high because if yeah. a 90 minute might not be enough yeah. to get up from. I understand. <laughs> I understand. But I understand. now it's like, I, that's not enough. I have to do a morning and evening and afternoon. And now I can't do them all, all the time. Yeah. 
but I'm rotating. I do my walkings on the weekends well, the and wa- I feel on top of the world. Well, the walking meditation was, you know, I created that meditation, those meditations, because I wanted to practice with my eyes open. I wanted to start standing up. The same thing I do sitting down. I want to start standing up. I want to self-regulate. I want to change my emotional cycle. I remember I'm a creator. I got to get heart and brain working together here. Okay, now this is, this is who I want to be. Okay, now let me open my eyes. And just like an actor or an actress, let me walk in, the, let me practice doing this with my eyes open. Let me, let me embody this. Let me become this. Let me habituate this. Let me feel what it feels like. How am I going to walk? How am I going to breathe? This is important because when you're responding and reacting to your life and habituated, you have a very different structure, a different, different yeah. posture, different breath, different everything. So we're giving people an opportunity to actually say, just like you said, that is it. This is who I'm leaving behind. And people who say that many times have tremendous changes in their biology and tremendous changes in their brain patterns just in an hour look like a completely different person. That's, yeah. that's what it takes, that firm decision to decide who you're going to leave behind is so important because that becomes a moment in time that you never forget. Mm-hmm. And the stronger the emotion you use to make that decision, the more you'll remember it. That's how you create a long-term memory. And that's a big explosion in the quantum field. You're branding that information into your brain and you're conditioning your body. You're giving your body a sample, a taste of the future. And it's a, the body's responding to your mind. That's, that's an event, right? Yeah. So that's what people say. I remember exactly when I made up my mind to change. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it takes to change. Yeah. I know. I know things are changing. I know. Um, it was funny also, fun fact, when I did my first walking meditation and I opened my eyes the first time, you were right there. <laughs> and you're looking at me like, ah! <laughs> it was funny. It's, it's addictive because you see the results. I see the results or I would not be able to fit this into my days. I'm, I'm fitting it into my days because I never want to feel the other way ever again. Yeah. I want to keep feeling like this and better and better and better. And I know what's possible now and I see it. And, and the women that I had on the show that everyone will hear this week, Evie, who was um, on stage in San Diego, and Kristen, who hasn't done a testimonial for you, but this is a woman who had breast cancer, spread all over, went to her brain. She had 150 brain tumors radiated. And... Um, she had 20 to 40 new ones they were going to radiate. She had been doing your work for two years. Both of them said, we had to keep changing before we got our full healing. Now, I know some they're both still in progress, but she somehow went back from a week-long Maui trip to her radiation treatment. They were doing the final MRI, and they had all disappeared. 20 to 40 brain tumors, I'm pretty sure she had said, just deleted. So I said, you're my new four minute mile. Cause yeah. I only got one to go Yeah, and I know it's going to go. And I've always known I was going to heal it. Actually, shit, I forgot to tell you, Dr. Keith Black. Do you know Dr. Keith Black at Cedars? Mm-hmm. When he and I sat together after I had surgery and you know, I was a little disappointed. All of it didn't come out, but he would have paralyzed me. And we decided that was not a good idea. Um, I said, well, I'm, He's like, I want you to radiate the rest of it. And I said, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't feel good about that. I saw what radiation did to my mom. I want no part of it. He's like, it's different. I go, no, I don't think it's different. I'm going to heal myself. I said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. And he said, I don't think you're crazy. He's like, I've had one person do it and I believe in you. And I told him about your work back then and how I just interviewed you or I was about to interview, whatever it was. I had just come familiar with your work. And that was another epiphany I had at the event where I was like, oh, I said I was going to do this. I didn't know this was how it was going to happen. But 
It was like, even just like my dreams growing up, my parents were janitors and I used to dream so big. I'm like, someday I'm going to have a house. It looks like the white house and it's going to be so big. And I'm going to have this and that. I have everything I said. How did I know it was going to happen? I was a poor Greek girl from Medford, Massachusetts. I had no business having any of this, mm-hmm. but it did. Mm-hmm. So I know the same thing is possible with my health. And I know you talk about how our thoughts can make us sick. So if our thoughts can make us sick, they can make us well. And I really want you to help hammer that home for people. Well, um, cause my thoughts made me sick. Yeah. My mom's yeah. thoughts made her sick. Yeah. And it's that bottle that just you, that is this you know, bad? no, well, no, I'm saying the, the amount of emotion that comes with the yes. thought, cause every time you have a thought, you make a chemical. Right. If you have a good thought and make you have a chemical that makes you feel good, you have an arousing thought that causes you to feel angry. Uh, short term, that's okay, but the long term effects of that keeps knocking the brain and body out of balance. So, when we turn on that primitive nervous system called the fight or flight nervous system, we're mobilizing enormous amounts of energy in our body's resources that we would typically use for healing, digestion, reproduction, whatever, assimilation. We're, t- we're robbing those systems and we're saying, there's a threat, there's a danger, there's something really, really, it needs all of your attention in your outer environment and that, that arousal causes us to feel fear or any deriv- derivative of it, aggression or anger or pain. So. When we respond to the environment like that, our body's knocked out of balance because we're mobilizing all that energy. Pupils dilate, respiratory rate goes up, heart rate goes up, up digestive juices shut down, blood is sent to the extremities, the body's ready to run, fight, or hide. All organisms in nature can tolerate that short term. If you turn on that stress response and you can't turn it off, now you're headed for a disease because no organism can live in emergency mode without a moment for, for regeneration or growth and repair. All right, so the arousal for some reason feels good to human beings. And that arousal gives us a rush of energy. And then we need the bad news. We need the problems in our life. We need the poor relationship. We need whatever it is to cause us to feel this kind of arousal. and Because we're addicted to it. We become addicted to the life we don't even like. Mm-hmm. So then... That's the biggest aha moment. <laughs> it's like... You actually become addicted to the life you don't want. Right. So then, so take it a step further. Then when you think about that life, you produce the same chemistry in your brain and body in the same exact way as if you were actually re-experiencing it. So now the thought is turning on the stress response. And it's a scientific fact that the long-term effects of the hormones of stress push the genetic buttons and create disease. Well, if you can turn on that stress response just by thought alone then your thoughts can make you sick. So, because you're knocking your brain and body out of balance mm-hmm. over and over again and depleting your body's resources that you could be use, using for healing. And it just turns out the stronger the emotion you feel, the more you pay attention to the person or the problem. And that's our vital life force we're giving to that person or that problem. Well, and then we're telling the story 50 different times to all of our friends. Can you believe this? And then reaffirming, this? Reaffirming, reaffirming the same feeling over and over again. And the body's actually uh, moving out of balance more and more every time we do that. They're, we're actually draining the body from energy, right? So, so it makes sense then that when people do this a long time, then they, they can't feel anything else but anger, 
fear, mm-hmm. pain, suffering, guilt, shame, anxiety, competition, envy, jealousy, insecurity, resentment. Those are all derived from the hormones of stress, you know, and, and, and psychology calls those normal human states of consciousness. Those are altered states of consciousness. So, so it makes sense then that if those emotions make us feel one way because the body is always out of balance, we decided to do an experiment. We took 117 people and we said, listen, we want you to stop feeling those emotions just for three times a day for 15 minutes. We're just going to practice feeling a different emotion. Yeah, I know, but I can't feel it. I know, I know you can't feel it now because you're really good at feeling that other stuff. But if we work with you, just work with us. Turns out, 10, 15 minutes of gratitude two or three times a day, their immune system strengthened by 50%. They, they made the most robust immunoglobulin, you know, immunoglobulin A, which is the primary defense against bacteria and viruses. The body's getting a boost. There's an internal army now. And it turns out that when that occurs, a lot of pain and inflammation goes away and a lot of immune-mediated conditions from cancer all the way to food allergies and everything in between. So, so we found out that your thoughts could actually make you well. Mm-hmm. So, um, whenever I, like just yesterday when I had a little bit of a rickety day, it was one of the first times I had to use my inhaler since, and it was because I was a little stressed and how funny the body couldn't now probably breathe properly, whatever it was. Old pattern. Old pattern. pattern. I caught it pretty fast. And then I gave myself compassion this morning. I said, Maria, cause I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to take me back so far in my healing. Cause now if I was to do blood work today, it would be different. That was the perfectionist in me. And I was like, okay, perfectionism. Got it. Next thing we got to keep really working on is, is getting rid of those thoughts. Um, because as I'm conquering the other things, I'm like, okay, this is the next thing. But, um, but I was like, you know what? It was just a couple of moments and you totally redeemed yourself this morning. So all good. Um, because up until now there have been very, maybe one other moment, like I've been really, really good. And so the perfectionists in you like will catch things really fast and start to sabotage. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think it's more important to have fun. I think it's, I play with this, you know, like it's not that you react. I mean, we all react. The question is how long? Yeah. That's and so, so like learning how to shorten the refractory period of your emotional responses is worth more than all the gold in the world. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't control your emotional reactions to conditions in your life, they turn into moods. Those are one long emotion to, to temperaments and ultimately personality. And so then learning how to do that and catching yourself is the learning process. And that's so important for a, a perfectionist to see it as like, hey, I did pretty good. I, I did. I fell off the horse. I got back on. Not a big deal. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. The person who says, oh, I failed. I'm, I'm not good at this. You know, I'm going to get sick again. That's, that's a huge default. And that's kind of talking ourselves out of change. It's so important for us to realize that this is a very uh, intense process. It takes an enormous amount of awareness, an enormous amount of energy to master yourself in that moment, because valid, justified or not, the only person that it's hurting is you. And when you finally figure that out, as my <laughs> daughter would say, living by this emotion isn't loving to me. And 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 yeah. we have to really decide, is this loving to me? So, so it turns out when you teach people how to feel elevated emotions, um, they make some, so many wonderful chemicals that make them feel good 
that they're no longer dependent on anything outside of them to take away their emptiness, their lack, their separation, their pain, their fear. They're actually learning how to do it without any exogenous substance, without anything outside of them, without any scrolling through anything. This feels way better than any of that. Now, that's the moment where we're all of a sudden free from our environment and, mm-hmm. and, and people self-regulate. And when that happens, their health gets better. They have a headache, it improves. They have pain, it changes. They learn that they can do it by thought alone. How valuable is that? I don't know. <laughs> if we could teach our kids that, it would be amazing, right? It would be amazing for everybody. But that's, that's I feel free because I don't have those thoughts anymore. If they do, they're very quick and I can get rid of them or or I can meditate myself back into a good place, whatever it is. Um, and so I'm grateful you just shared that because I was having to tell myself that this morning. I was like, you're fine. You've been yeah. t- doing so great. Like you're, yeah. Yeah. you know, no, you're no, good. take it. Just remember it's an experiment. I always go, it's an experiment. Okay. Okay. I, I went unconscious. Okay. How long are you going to do that for? How long are you going to feel bad? Okay. Just knock it off. Okay. Let's get back. Yeah. And, and, th- and I'm, I, I always say to myself, God, I'm so happy that I'm, did that because the the alternative is just a lot of pretending. Well, also it shows you growth, right? Because if everything's going jolly, you don't really know until you're tested how you're going to be. So even Kelsey, you were helping me in that moment where I was, you know, worried about Maximus and his leg and getting him to a vet because we're traveling tomorrow for a while and and I said, Kelsey, I need help. I don't know how to do this Google Drive, collect everything, put it in. Can you help me? And I said to you, normally I would be at like a hundred right now. I'm at a one. And you said, yeah, I know. So it was like, it was, it, you have to be tested. I'm curious um, for you girls listening and especially you, Kelsey, with all your stomach stuff, are, is what he's saying about your thoughts having that kind of power over your health resonating with you? Oh yeah. Well, and I feel like it's something we talk about so often on the show and it does, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I think... Dr. Joe, what you were saying, like, we don't even realize what we're thinking. It's like until you are like at this level of like super high awareness to be able to like catch it and be like, oh, my God, I think this every second of every day or whatever it is. It's like or I'm unkind to myself or we're just in these routines. So I guess for me, it's like diving into the world of meditation. Where would one even begin? Because it's like. I'll go lay on the couch for 10 minutes and close my eyes. <laughs> but like, is that the same thing as well, doing like the formula or, well, you know, something like that? Well, that's I, a really great, great point. turns out the third thing about meditation that I didn't get to at the beginning is, is you're answering that question. And that is to learn how to change your brainwaves. Mm. And, and when you're, when you're aroused, you're in this beta brainwave pattern. It's a very, very high beta brainwave pattern. And that's, that arousal is when you're feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of depression, a lot of resentment. That's when the brain is super alert. Like it's, it's got all of its attention on the outer environment. That's where the danger, that's where the, that's where the cause is. And, and some people, when they get in that state, they overanalyze and they can't slow their brain down and they overfocus and they try to control and they try to predict and they they have the perception that everything's going to get worse in their life and they get ready for the worst thing all the time and that's that's what you do when you're in survival right so when we're in that state we become overfocused we 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 narrow our focus on the material world. The chemicals cause us to become materialists and our senses are heightened and our senses plug us in the reality so now we're more engaged in the 3D world Nothing wrong with that, but you can't stay there for a period of time. We found out that when you 
Well, you do this when you go to sleep. What do you do when you go to sleep? You just kind of lay there and then you stop thinking. And that, you think of nothing. And when you think of nothing, you actually fall asleep. And you if, restore. <laughs> and if you can't stop thinking, you actually can't go to sleep. So you can't slow your brainwaves down because you stay in that kind of analytical state. And our, our data shows that when you're in that analytical state and you're aroused by some emotion, you will actually make your brain worse because the analysis is actually making the chemicals for you to get more aroused and you drive yourself further into these higher states because you're over-focused. So we said, okay, let's have people do the exact opposite. Let's have them focus on nothing because that's what you do when you go to sleep. We'll just go from that narrow focus to kind of a broadened focus and just sense nothing, sense space, right? And the act of doing that actually slowed the brain waves down into mid-range beta, low-level beta, and then all of a sudden into alpha. Now, once you cross from beta to alpha, you go from your conscious mind to your subconscious mind. Now, what separates the conscious mind from the subconscious mind is actually the analytical mind. So when you're analyzing and thinking, you're in this beta brainwave pattern, you close your eyes and you start relaxing, your inner world starts becoming more real than your outer world, and your brain starts stop, stops talking to you like the chatter in your head. So that analysis tends to suppress, and you start to see more in images and pictures. You get creative. That's alpha. Yeah, you're like in a VR world. Yeah, exactly. If you can let yourself fall into a light sleep... While you're sitting there, you move into this theta brainwave pattern, and that tends to be when the door between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind is wide open. There's no editor. So you could actually rewrite a program. You could actually install a new rehearsal, a new way of being. You could that's exactly how we rewrite the program. So, so we teach people how to regulate through those states, and just before you fall asleep on the couch... We want you right at that point where you haven't fallen asleep, but you could. And right there, if you can stay relaxed in your heart, we can teach you how to do that. While you stay awake in your brain, you can make some really dramatic changes because when you have no analytical mind, you're suggestible to information. And what is suggestibility? Your ability to accept it, believe it, to surrender to it as if it's the truth without analyzing it. And that's what actually programs the autonomic nervous system. So we teach people how to regulate their brain states so that they can, they can reprogram. Yeah, you're getting into like the spot where you can change your life. Can't do it in, you can't do it in beta. Because yeah. you're outside the operating system. And in fact, yeah. you can say, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm free, I'm free. And that thought never makes it past the brainstem to the body because the body's saying, no, you're not. You're miserable. You're mm -hmm. unhappy. You're in fear. That affirmation, you're not affirming anything that the body is agreeing with. So you get a person into a state of gratitude. Well, that's a very interesting emotional state because when you receive something or you just receive something favorable, something wonderful happened to you or something wonderful is happening to you, you feel this intense feeling of gratitude. So its emotional signature is something wonderful is happening to you. You feel gratitude, I guarantee you, you will accept, believe, and surrender to those thoughts that you're thinking. And that will actually program the autonomic nervous system into a different outcome. So we got to get that person in this, that state of receivership, right? And so meditation and changing your brain waves is a, an important element. Will you explain coherent heart and coherent brain? Kelsey's like, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. Uh, yeah, wrote that down. <laughs> well, this isn't, this isn't foreign to any of us. When Let's talk about incoherence. When you're in that high beta state and uh, you can't predict or control anything in your life, you have the perception that things are going to get really bad and you switch on that system, what you want to do now is control and predict everything in your life because you know you're getting ready for the worst thing that could possibly happen. So 
as you begin to think about every person, every object, every meeting, every place, that's all mapped in your brain, and you're shifting your attention to all of these elements, the brain starts to fire out of order because of your attention shifting so quickly because every person, every object, everything has a neurological network in your brain. Keep that up in high beta. The brain starts to compartmentalize. It's a house divided against itself. And when the brain's incoherent, we're incoherent. Mm. When the brain isn't working right, we're not working right. And that, that default state actually is an unhealthy state for the brain to function in. So people become reliant on whatever it is that makes the the discord go away. They, they try to make the feeling go away by gaming or Smoking whatever, pot. whatever it is, whatever it is they need to do to, to, to settle down that high beta state. Okay. Well, you're on the zoom meeting, right? And you got the gas pedal on, you're judging that person on the zoom call. You want to reach across the screen and throttle them, but you're smiling and you're stepping on the brake. So you're your heart is racing because it's pumping blood. It's what it does when it's under sympathetic dominance. But you're not running and you're not fighting, you're not hiding. So the heart is actually beating against the closed system. You keep that up, the heart starts beating very incoherently. And when incoherent waves interfere, you lose energy. So you lose energy in the heart and you lose energy in the brain. And so then we just become automatic. That's the default, right? That's 95% of who we are. So. Our data shows over and over again that you can make your brain more coherent. What does that mean? When you're sensing nothing, when you're sensing space, the act of sensing causes you to stop thinking and analyzing. Mm -hmm. And if you're sensing and you're feeling, you're experiencing, you're noticing, and you're doing that, you're not analyzing and your brain waves naturally change from beta to alpha. But it feels the, so good. It, when you drop down to that level, if you stay at it, there comes this moment where those different compartments of the brain that were once firing out of order, out of rhythm, all of a start, all of a sudden starts beating in cadence and they start to synchronize. The front of the brain starts talking to the back of the brain. These networks over here start oscillating with these networks and all of a sudden you see recruiting of more communities of neurons firing in the same rhythm. And all of a sudden when the whole brain is firing the same rhythm, that's called coherence and that's a very strong signal to the brain that causes a very strong signal to the body that everything's moving back to regulation. Stress is autonomic dysregulation. This kind of cadence is causing autonomic regulation. The body's going, whoa, 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 something, information's traveling along the nervous system that's very coherent, very, very consistent, and it's carrying the right information. So then, when the brain is coherent then, um, there's, a, there's a more energy because Waves build on waves, and so all we see, we see this happen, and all of a sudden we see a person move into theta, and if they can just hang in there a little bit longer, something really profound happens. They move into these super aroused states of gamma. Now, gamma is super consciousness. It's actually faster than high beta. Only difference is it's very compressed and it's very organized. So the entire brain now functioning in gamma, the person's having a very profound arousal. Now the arousal is not fear. The arousal is not anger. The arousal is not pain. The arousal is ecstasy. The arousal is bliss. The arousal is something they could say it's connection or love. At the same time, we see the heart all of a sudden feeling this feeling start to move into this beautiful rhythm, boom. And all of a sudden the heart 
starts to cause the body to move out of survival and drop down into this relaxed state. So we become relaxed in our heart, and when that happens, waves tend to build on waves. Let's see if I can explain this. We see in the brain a very slow wave called delta. That's deep sleep, but the person's oscillating in delta in coherence, and then the wave riding delta is theta, like in a harmonic. And two dolphins. Yeah, and then here comes alpha riding on theta, and then beta on there, and all of a sudden you see the person go into this gamma state, and the heart is telling the brain, it's safe to create now. It's safe to be in the present moment. There is the, the, the danger, the threat, the trauma's over, and the heart literally informs the brain that the event is over and it resets the baseline for anxiety, for trauma in the survival center of the amygdala of the brain. And all of a sudden, the person can relax into the unknown, the present moment, and no danger, nothing happens that they're so afraid and the unknown is always the, the scary place. That's how we survived and adapted for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Now the unknown is the perfect place to create and the person's relaxed in their heart and the heart's sending this beautiful rhythm. And when that happens, it's causing these waves of energy in the brain and the brain is receiving it from the heart. It's saying it can get creative. This is the creative center. So now the heart and the brain start working together and somehow there's a profound shift in everything from electromagnetism to biology, to neurocircuitry, to neurohormones. And you see the person not wanting the moment to end. Yeah. And when the heart beats in rhythm, it, it produces a very profound magnetic field that's up to th three meters wide, right? So you got this, you got this broad band base that's that's that tends to be magnetic, and you have a coherent brain, which tends to be electric. So the the thought becomes the electrical charge, the directive. You send the signal out into whatever it is that you want into the field. You got to feel a feeling before it happens in the quantum. You get a coherent heart, and you begin to draw the experience to you. So when there's a vibrational match between your energy and some possibility that exists in the quantum field that you haven't experienced yet, the cool thing about it is now we don't have to go anywhere and do something to get it. You do that in three-dimensional reality when you're matter trying to change matter. When you're creating from the field in connection instead of from matter, the events tend to come to you instead of you going to get them. Now that's the fun part, right? That's yeah. why we do it. So what I love the most about our community is that they get it. They're, they're not, they, they, once they get it and they feel it, they wanna feel more of it. There's nothing wrong with that. They wanna experiment more. They don't wanna go back to that stuff. They, mm -hmm. they outgrow it like they outgrow a shirt that they no longer ever wanna wear again. You just, you don't ever, you're never, you know you're never gonna wear that shirt again. You just outgrow things. And now this kind of regulation that leads to all these mystical and unknown cool experiences causes the person to be less interested in television, less interested in all the... <laughs> Wait, that's me. I stopped watching stuff. And, and, and my why? My husband's like, our life is going to be so messed up now. I go, honey, I'm so sorry. My best friend had come into town. It was like the week before the event. And normally, like, we have, like, the things that we do. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, you guys. It's not you. It's me. I just want to go upstairs and meditate. I don't want to play cards, and I don't want to watch TV. So yeah, you don't, you want that feeling. Yeah. So I must have gone into gamma. I know I wrote in my notes that I went into gamma for sure at the event, but I must have gone into gamma to reprogram the amygdala to remove the anxiety, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so we find that people are, are moving into these states of gamma and, and they're, they're, 
you know, they're not even aware, a good percentage of them not even aware that they're in this, this state because they're so relaxed in the present moment and they're so awake in their brain. It's, it, there's this beautiful gamma pattern that takes place. And once the heart informs the brain, it, it dumps the baseline for those stress hormones to a different level. It, yeah. it, it, it happens really quickly. So one of the cool things that I started seeing when I was doing the progressive at home was like I could feel my body lift out of my legs, like just whoosh, and I would get so scared. And I remember in the class you said, you know, you're only one thought away. Don't be afraid. So then I started to train myself, like, don't be afraid. We're just, we're just going to go. And at the event, there was a couple of, I mean, there were some crazy moments. I mean, I was in this amphibian world. And then I was in a, a blue water world where I could feel the mist of water on my face. I was on a cliffside being healed. There was a bed it looked like it was like in Jerusalem and I was on a cliff being healed. I had the Virgin Mary. I had Jesus and like right there with me in my coherence healing. There were crazy, insane moments. So when you go into those mystical places in your meditations, first of all, I always say if kids knew they could do this, they would never do drugs because it's free. And you really like you're swimming in these places. It's so cool. Um, is that gamma? Uh, we have seen people in very, very high states of gamma, having very profound mystical experiences. In fact, so way outside of normal that some of the scientists actually broke the person from the meditation because they were worried they had never seen anything like it. And of course, the person was having a very, very, very <laughs> profound, very full-on sensory experience without their senses. And they were in a whole nother world. And they were like, what? What, what, what did you just, like, you know, they were having a profound moment. But we also see people in very, very deep levels of theta having really lucid moments as well. So um, I don't want to categorize it as one brainwave state or another, yeah. but, but, but when there's an arousal uh, it, and it tends to cause everything to become very real, uh, yeah, you're, you're moving into gamma and you have, not in the, not in the neocortex, the gamma's in the limbic brain, the mm -hmm. seat of the autonomic nervous system. The arousal, that, that coherence and that very high frequency is, is, is regulating information. Energy is informing matter and the body's feeling very electric. It's feeling very enlivened. And, um, and so, so the person, when they have that moment, of course they feel that new feeling, they're gonna pay attention deeply to the pictures that they're experiencing in their brain that's gonna see, seem very real. Now the cool part about that is what is real? I mean, reality is where all of your attention is, right? And if all of your attention is in that world, I mean, I, I, I'm not a whales in space guy, you know? I mean, I'm a pretty <laughs> practical person. But that's why you're a good teacher, because we, we know that. And, and when people, when I wanted to know, when I saw a person 200, 300, 400, 500 standard deviations outside of normal and gamma, please just tell me what happened. And, you know, these stories are profoundly enriching you know so the the person when they come back to their to their self again the experience tends to enrich circuits in their brain and the feeling that they feel that electrical arousal tends to remove the body out of the past into the present and they get a biological upgrade a lot mm -hmm. of time. The cells start jiggling the energy and frequency and, and the cells start emitting more coherent light and information. And the, there's, the, there's the tumor, then it's gone. You know, there's yeah. the uh, eczema and it's gone. Uh, you know, the, it's gone. You know, it's the, a whole new addiction. So, so yeah, so, so 
I traded up in my addiction. <laughs> so, so, so when you have a few of those, when you come back to your senses and you, put, you come back to your personality, your spectrum of reality is broadened, right? We don't see things how they are. We see things how we are. So the inner experience that's so profoundly lucid is actually reorganizing circuitry in the brain for you to perceive more of reality that always existed. Yeah. But we just sit and have the circuitry to perceive it. Now, this is when it gets fun because now you can, you can how, how, I mean, I, it's, it's a scientific fact that we perceive less than 1% of reality. The uh, statistics say it's 100%. The mathematics say we perceive less than 1% of reality. So this is the moment where you get an upgrade to the circuitry in your brain, and now you broaden your perception of the way the world really is. Yeah, well, we, could, we couldn't possibly even understand the, the space of the universe, right? And, and, the, and, and what exists out there, right? And we're also growing. I was reading something the other day. We're growing at faster paces. The, like the universe is growing at faster paces than scientists even ever thought. So we can't understand that. We can't understand this either. Um, I want to go back to fight or flight for a minute because I was able to see my mom and what got her to where she ended up, right? So she was in fight or flight 24-7. My dad was t- severe type 1 diabetic, and she didn't even sleep at night because she was afraid he was going to die in a low blood sugar uh, attack. Funny enough, when you get to understand some of this work, this makes sense. We didn't know how to categorize it back then, but my dad would have nightmares of dogs chasing him. And it would be as if his body was really being chased. His blood sugar would drop. He'd be in a pool of sweat. And only by, you know, my mom noticing because she wasn't sleeping, would she be able to save him from a complete, you know, you know, death from low blood sugar. So... I watch her pattern. She was in fight or flight her whole life trying to keep him alive. And then I was the like lieutenant right under her. And we would just feel, I'd be in school and have no idea, but I knew he was Mm -hmm. sick and he needed me. And I would race home, skip a class and find him comatose on the floor. So we were so connected with him that we would know when he wasn't okay. And he wasn't okay all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So the both of us got that. And, And then we both had kind of like a lot of the, toxic work situations too, that just now we didn't have boundaries. We were never taught boundaries. So now that anger just kept building and building and building. And when I thought about where the anger goes in the progressive course, it goes right up to like that pineal area, I'm pretty sure from that (laughs) diagram. I was like, oh yeah, we kind of, we kind of did this with our thoughts. And I know a lot of people have a hard time with that notion, but I'll accept it for myself. I believe that we were the illness because, and it was unknowing. We didn't have tools. We didn't know. We did the best we could with what we had in those mm-hmm. times. But it is our our thoughts and the way we were living and the way we were so fearful and so worried and in trying to control everything yeah. that yeah. got us brain tumors because si- the top researcher says it's like lightning striking twice. This doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not genetics and they weren't genetically connected or anything. So I want for the sake of the people, because I know a lot of people who are listening to this have autoimmune conditions. I want to really hammer home, hammer home fight or flight, because I know Kelsey's even nodding in there. Um, You've had your versions of it as well. Um, And, and what we're doing to ourselves so that they can really see the control that we can have if we start to focus on it. And even though you say it's hard and it's a lot of work, 
It really isn't because the second you get in and you start to understand this is scientific and that's why your approach is so different and why I think that you are resonating so much more with people because it's not woo-woo. Some of the woo-woos are saying similar stuff, but yours is science-based and there is 100% success stories to see that you can buy into and believe and you're doing so much scientific you know, research as well. Um, I just want people to really have that breakthrough to understand that, that this fight or flight thing that I was watching women at the event, there was a woman who was like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And we were all having this thing. Like, what if we're we're not doing it right? Because as women, we want to be perfect and we're taught to be good girls and to be perfect growing up. And we're going into a coherence healing. And this one woman is running around trying to find her friend over here. and And I'm watching her and I'm like, Oh my God. She's killing herself. Yeah. 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 Well, here's here's the the cool thing about being human. We can all relate to this. This is so primitive. Uh, it's so innate in us. Uh, the game that we've been playing for as long as you want to believe human beings have been here is the game of survival. I mean, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, it wasn't easy being human. I mean, you could die from all kinds of things, and famine, and predators, and all of those things were important elements to keep us alive. And in fact, fear was really adaptive. You don't walk up to a lion and pet it. Something tells you instinctually to not do that, right? So that's very adaptive. And and when stress becomes maladaptive, it's a different story, because... Uh, there, when we react to someone or something that's in our lives, your, your, your reaction, whether it's a lion or your mother-in-law, doesn't matter to the body. Yeah. Because if, if it's a lion, for the most part, you're not going to go 20% in. You're not going to go 40%. If it's a lion, you're going to go 100% in, right? So, but if it's your mother-in-law and you're having the same response, what was once very adaptive becomes very maladaptive, right? So it turns out that, as I said, valid or justified, the only person that that is actually hurting is you because you're knocking your body out of homeostasis. You're knocking your body out of balance. Health is balance. Health is order. So let's see if we could drive this home really well. You have three types of stress, physical, chemical, and emotional. Physical stress is trauma, accidents, injuries, falls. Uh, chemical stress is viruses, bacteria, blood sugar levels, uh, hangovers, toxins, pesticides, pollutants. And then emotional stress is just is your reaction to everyone and everything in your life. Well, 75 to 90% of a person that walks into a healthcare facility in the Western world walks in because of psychological and emotional stress. You could have the best diet. You could eat gluten-free, vegan, ketogenic, intermittent fasting with the little macrobiotics on the side, organic, all of that. Take all your vitamins, take all your, all your supplements, all your herbs, drink your teas, do all of that. You could work out, you could run, you could do Pilates, you could do yoga, what doesn't matter. Get yourself chemically balanced, get yourself uh, physically balanced, but if you haven't taken care of your responses to everyone and everything in your life, your cells, when you're living in fear and perfectionism and rigidity, 
the signal to the cell is there's a danger, there's a threat, and the cell is going to take the signal, and the cell is going to make a protein from a gene. <laughs> and if you keep signaling the cell that there's danger in the environment, the cell is going to start to downregulate a gene and make a cheaper protein. So, uh, so then you could have you could you could actually wind up creating organic fear proteins. That's what you're making, right? Because the the body still isn't in a place to rest. So person can't sleep. Then they can't sleep. They can't restore. They they can't digest. There's an emergency out there. How can you digest if your body's perceiving that the next moment there's going to be danger? There's your immune system's dialed way down. There's no energy for long-term building projects. The, 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 everybody's attention is on the outer world. There's no homeland security. Everybody's out fighting the fight, right? So the reproductive system says, this is not a time to grow a baby. Uh, the, the, the brain, the blood flow goes to the hindbrain, away from the forebrain. You stop thinking, you start reasoning, mm -hmm. you start reacting to everyone and everything. Blood, uh, blood sends uh, adrenaline, liquid energy to the muscles, but you're not fighting. Fighting, you're not running, you're not hiding. Muscles get tight. It's just, it's just stored energy in there. And the body stays in that kind of maladaptive state. And, and, it, and it, that imbalance becomes the new balance. And now we're headed for some type of crash, some type of disorder, some type of disease. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And when we're in that state, we're altered. And there's always a gap between the way things appear and the way things really are. And if we act during that period, we'll always say, I should have never said that. I should have never done that. I should have never sent that email. I should have never thought that. Because we're altered in that state. In survival, we're selfish. You know, mm -hmm. you gotta, when you're getting chased by T-Rex, there's three things you're thinking about. My body, like, hey, I better take care of this. In my environment, where am I gonna run? And how much time do I have to, uh, to get there? the body, the environment, and time. So the stress hormones actually cause us to feel more like our bodies, more pay more attention to objects and things in our environment, obsess about time. To change is to be greater than your body, to be greater than your environment, be greater than time. Stress is not a time to change. Stress is time to run, fight, and hide. And if you spend 70% of your day living in that state, there's no energy for a person to ever repair. There's no energy. and There's the, no energy, period. Forget just to repair. And so the dysregulation that's happening in the autonomic nervous system, remember stress is uh, uh, moving the body out of balance, right? So it's the autonomic nervous system that's mobilizing all that energy, right? And it starts dysregulating because it could never catch up, right? So 
when we start creating brain and heart coherence, the autonomic nervous system is moving back towards regulation, it's moving back towards order, and there's an innate capacity for the body to say the war is over. It's the, the trauma's done, let's get back to growth and repair. Turns out the more coherent that autonomic nervous system is, the more regulated it is, the more information can travel to the cells and tissues and organs of the body with the proper cadence, with the proper signals, right? So the body starts upregulating back to balance and back to health. And so autoimmune conditions tend to be one of those conditions that heal really fast in this work. Inflammation heals really fast in this work. Cancers do really well in this work. Neurological disorders do really well in this work because there's a lot more regulation that goes on. So, so, so if, if, if you can get your body more emotionally balanced and more physically balanced and more chemically balanced, then you'll be more resilient. Mm -hmm. So then the trauma, the, 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 the thing that falls apart in your life, your response won't be the same because you're out of survival, right? And relaxed in the heart and awake in the brain is so much better than stressed out, unconscious, and living in a program. And that seems to be what's accepted as normal in the world. Perfect explanation. Kelsey, right? Yep. I see her nodding Perfect. in there. Um, one of the things you talk about is like new behaviors, right? So I want to give people just something they can grab onto right now. It's like you say, you wake up, you do the same things, whatever. So I knew one of the things I grabbed fast was like new behaviors will create a new reality. And so I try to mix it up. I, instead of making a coffee, like I normally would in the morning, sometimes I'll run out and grab one at the coffee shop or I'll go to another coffee shop. I just try to change my routine every day. So it's not overlapping the same over the same over day. Um, what can people do that's conscious like that um, to help start changing themselves? Yeah, 86% of the people in the Western world, the first thing they do when they wake up in the morning is grab their cell phone. That's almost nine out of 10 people. So more than likely, there's a good percentage of people that are watching this podcast or listening to it that do that. And when they reach for their cell phone and they look through their Facebook and their Instagram and their TikTok and their emails and their uh, Twitter and do all of that, they're connecting to everything that's known in their life. They're actually making sure that they're connected in a, in a certain way. In place of that, you can still do that, but before you grab unconsciously for your phone and start changing your chemicals in your body, it would be such a great idea to sit down and before you start your day, just review the thoughts you don't want to think. Review the behaviors you really want to change about yourself. Just review them. Just go over them in your mind. Re review the emotions that you feel the most in a day and just remember that those emotions aren't loving to you. Just, just review them in the beginning, just so that you're aware of them. If the change, you'll start becoming aware of them. And when, once you can observe them, you're no longer the program. Once you're conscious of them, you're no longer unconscious, right? You're out of the program. Before you start the day, ask yourself, what, how do I want to think today? How do I want to feel? How do I want to behave? I mean, what would greatness look like? What would love look like today? What could I do that would be really cool for me at the end of the day, say, wow, so I had a good day today. What, what, what would make me feel that way? And if you can't find an answer to that, start reading. Who reads anymore? Read a book. I read so many books a week. I know. I'm that way too. So <laughs> read something about, you want to be wealthy? Read a book about someone 
who became wealthy and get, get real and realize they may have failed 50 times before they actually pulled it off? Or what were their characteristics? What were their traits? What made them? So it wasn't about their wealth. It was about who they became. That's the key, right? So, so, so fill your brain with a little knowledge and then just start asking yourself, what's the greatest expression of myself that I can be today? And, and, and rehearse it. Rehearse how you're going to be. And, and then if, if it leads to a different choice, that's the unknown. Mm-hmm. And just know that it's not going to be predictable. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. That's where the magic happens. If you can stay relaxed and awake in the unknown, things get pretty exciting. When you're back to the known, you're back to the familiar. Don't expect anything to change in your life. And if you say it's that person or that circumstance, ah, you defaulted and went back to the program of the victim, allowing your outer environment, controlling your thoughts and feelings. If you truly do this well, this is what I discovered. If I truly feel the feelings of my future before they occur, and I live in that state, I'm no longer looking for it to happen. How could I look for it if I feel like it already has, right? So I try to stay in that state because then, I don't, then I'm not separate from it. And that tends to be when the magic happens. There, there's no control anymore. There's no predicting. There's no perfectionism. There's none of, all there is is just kind of an experiment. Like I'm experimenting to see if I changed my thoughts and feelings, if my yeah. life will change. And that should be the experiment everybody has. And, and, and do it with, with curiosity and do it with just seeing if, if the experiment works. If it doesn't, yeah. change something else about yourself until it starts to work. Well, those experiments are what's so fun, right? So when you're creating your, like I wrote down the list of things I never wanted to feel again. I, I wrote down the things I wanted in my new life. So I had my H and then I would have my N, so my new life. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking about all this adventure and so much fun that I wanted to have. And even just, I know this is silly, but this weekend I asked my husband, I go, do you want to go on a hike? And normally he growls at me. And he said, Sure. I said, all right, why don't we go somewhere new? We've never gone. Let me just look up like crazy cool hikes that end in a waterfall. I really want to see a waterfall. So I said, I found one. And I said, it's in Sunland. He goes, oh, cool. I want to go out that way. It's like quiet and wide and not frenetic. I said, yeah, let's go there. I picked the easiest hike. It's only two miles because I know you don't have a lot of energy. It's very burnt out. And I said, we'll just do that. So we went and it started out hard. And I could tell he was like off. I want to kill her. And long story short, we kept going and going and every hiker would tell us we were a mile away. <laughs> I've been on those hikes. <laughs> and, and it was hard on me. And I'm somebody, and I'm wearing leg weights thinking it's only two miles. We went six miles. We had to rappel down rocks with rope. There was this whole experience that was so cool. And I gave them opportunities to quit along the way. And then we had one good opportunity when we actually could see the waterfall from a distance but we could get closer. I said, but honey, we did it. We saw the waterfalls. He's like, no, I want to go. Who are you? And so we had this amazing experience. He loved it. He's like, yes, it was a lot, but I want to do this more. I don't, I don't want to sit on the recliner on weekends anymore. He loved his, everything was watching TV on the recliner. So then it had to become my everything. And then I would rope him into some stuff here and there. Now he wants to go on adventures on weekends. That was what I was dreaming of in my head. Mm -hmm. As I dreamed about what I wanted our relationship to really look like, Mm -hmm. I created all these things in my head. He doesn't know... I'm like Mr. Miyagiing him into whatever I want. <laughs> so like, he, he's really going to like me, I'm sure. <laughs> no, but now he came back from that hike. He's like, I- I'm all in. 
I'm all in. Cause he was in, but he's like, I need to, he was being precious about it. It's like, I have to do it when I have time and this and that. I go, no, there's never going to be time, but you do it when you want to do it. I'm not pressuring you, whatever you want. Now he's like, I am diving in. I'm landing this week. I'm going to do it in Connecticut when I get there. I was like, all right. So now when the unknown becomes an adventure, you know, you're over the hormones of stress or at least changing the hormones of stress because the unknown is a scary place in survival and stress. And, but when it becomes an adventure, it means now we're craving the unknown. And that's, I think that's one of the things I love uh, the most about our community that people really crave the unknown. I mean, they, they their mind is not limited in, in any way. And, and yeah. you gotta, be, if you believe in yourself, you gotta believe in possibilities, right? You gotta, if you believe in possibilities, you gotta believe in yourself and you're not going to get possibilities sitting on the recliner. You gotta go out and get them. Yeah. Uh, and, and it creates a zest for life. Like yeah. I have such a zest. I don't want to keep you much longer, even though I'm going to keep you here and I'm going to hide you in the basement. Um, <laughs> one last thing I, I mean, was something we started talking about earlier before we sat down and it's like the energy field, right? So we talk about quantum physics a lot in your work and, and I think it's so cool. Um, but can we talk about a field in which the people around you are all getting the same things? Because I'm starting, as I said, to make the connections, brain tumor, mom, brain tumor, me, brain tumor, two of my dogs, my dad, diabetes, my brother, diabetes, me, di- pre-diabetic, but I've been cleaning that up. Uh, my mom, thyroid, all of her side of the family thyroid, me thyroid, Kevin thyroid, my best friend, Kevin breaks teeth. We're in the kitchen talking about it. Then I broke a tooth and she broke a tooth. We're all of these things are happening around us. And there was a moment in the brain tumor journey where I started cracking jokes. Don't get too close to us. You might get a brain tumor, (laughs) but that's messed up because it, it does happen. So is there something to that? Have you studied any of that? No, we, we haven't really. Well, actually, it's kind of funny because I think you were at the event where we're studying twins. Yes. Uh, yeah, we studied uh, oh, six yeah. sets of twins. Yeah, f- uh, five identical twins and one set of fraternal twins. And we're actually looking to see how much you know gene expression can change when you change your emotional state in with identical twins that share pretty much the same genome. But then we started doing these cool experiments where we were separating them and one was having a meditation, the other one was watching the History Channel, you know, in this room or her room just to see. And when this person had a profound experience, what kind of brain changes were they were they in training their their partner to so so i do think that the more we are emotionally connected to people the more suggestible we are to each other right because mm. i think we accept believe and surrender information that's equal to our emotional state right so so maybe the sympathy or your connection to people in your life the the information goes in that it actually it actually creates this kind of um, collective consciousness, you know, that that everybody starts to experience the same thing. Uh, but it could be like the hundredth monkey. It could be in a, in, a, in a really other really profound way where you start changing your energy and you start changing your 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 emotions, and then you start moving to a greater frequency, and you break that you break that pattern, and now all of a sudden everybody starts in training to a greater level. Yes, and that's what we're after, right? So, so I just think that's just a a level of unconsciousness because we when we share the same emotions, we share the same memories, we can relate with one another. When we share the same energy, we share the same information. So we're very we're prone and, or susceptible to that information. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think we have to really be very clear that that's something that I'm definitely not gonna experience. If, if it slips past your analytical mind and you take it on and you feel it with that person, I mean, that's, that's powerful voodoo, you know, that's powerful yeah. medicine. 
or powerful medicine. But way. I'm aware now. Yeah. So that's a, a good thing. Queens, I'm going to give you the last question. Whoa. Dr. Joe, you talked about relaxing the heart and you said you have a way to do it. How do we do it? It's not something that you, you don't know how to do. It's just something that we want to make a skill for you. And, and so when people, first thing they have to do is they have to overcome their survival states. They have to over, overcome their programs. They've got to be willing to sit with themselves long enough to wonder what's on the other side of a, I can't, or it's too hard, or I want to give up, or this sucks. What's on the other side of those thoughts? Those are just program thoughts. What's on the other side of this emotion called guilt or this emotion called frustration? What's on the other side of it, right? So you get people to a certain point, you give them uh, a little bit of help, but the key then is, we've done, we've done studies on this. If you close your eyes and you place your attention on your heart, it turns out where you place your attention is where you place your energy, right? So if you can put your attention on your heart and not your cell phone, and you can keep it on your heart and, and feel it and experience it and pay attention to it. By paying attention to your heart, you're actually giving it your energy. Now, your heart tends to feel different emotions uh, than other parts of your body. And what emotions it loves to feel is love, compassion, care, kindness, gratitude, inspiration, freedom. These are elevated emotions. So if you could put your attention on your heart, we see from the technology that we built, in time, and not a very long amount of time, just a few minutes, you'll start to see this very low frequency of the heart start going up, which means the, the, the energy that's indigenous to the heart, what the heart uses only, you're actually feeding it. It's it energy. Right? So if you could do that then, and then you can slow your breathing down. When you slow your breathing down, you slow your brain waves down. We've measured that thousands of times. So instead of the short breath, or the, instead of this kind of shallow breath, you only work on taking long, slow breaths through your heart. Inhale with the intention of relaxing, hold it with the intention of relaxing while you hold it. Exhale with the intention of relaxing, blow all the air out, hold it for a few seconds, you're not gonna die. Relax again, inhale again, and just do a series of three or four or five or six of these, depending on working with your body so that it starts to feel safe again. That's what it is. You slow your brain waves down, you slow your breathing down, you slow your breathing down, you convert from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic, and that's what we see. Then all of a sudden we see the person's parasympathetic nervous system go up and the sympathetic goes down. What does that mean? They're moving out of stress. Okay, the body's moving into that state of growth and repair. Now put your attention on your heart. Now do something really cool. Amplify. That's the amplifier. That's the creative center. So what do you want to feel? Like what emotion do you want to feel when a future experience happens? Whatever that is. Feel the gratitude. Feel the joy. Feel the freedom. And breathe and feel and feel and breathe and keep relaxing into your heart, keeping your attention nowhere else out of the millions of things you can put your attention on. That's your target. And you work with your body and you breathe and you feel and as you start relaxing into your heart, you keep working on relaxing into your heart and you feel it, you feel that emotion, there'll come a moment where that energy will naturally start moving up to the brain. And when that happens, the survival centers shut down, brain moves into alpha, you see more in pictures and images. You could take, it's like a, taking a sheet, of paper, uh, a sheet on, a, on, a, on a bed and going like this. The heart sends this propagating wave right into the brain, just follows, boom, right after the stroke volume, and it's telling the brain to be creative, to dream, to be, you know, to be unlimited. Uh, so the more you do that, here's the key, the more you do it, the more it becomes a skill. 
Now, when a person has a panic attack, right, what they do is they mismanage their attention. They, they picture the worst scenario that could possibly take place and then they say, no, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? So they're making it actually 10 times worse because if you prepare for the worst, there's always better chances of survival. The problem is they're combining that image in their mind and they're actually living the experience emotionally. And so they're taking that thought and that feeling, that image and that emotion, that stimulus and response, and they're conditioning the body subconsciously to become the mind of fear. After a certain point when the body's that out of balance, it will have a panic attack. Try as you may to control it with your conscious mind. You can't. You programmed it subconsciously, and then it gets worse because after that one, you can't anticipate when the next one's gonna happen. So you start mm -hmm. getting ready for the next one, and that's what exactly starts the cycle. Okay, so what we discovered that the more you relax into your heart and feel these elevated emotions, it's exactly like a panic attack. Only it's a love attack. So we're looking at people's hearts for 24 hours. We see them sustain this beautiful coherence, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes. They get good at it. They can do it now. They know that they know they can do it. It feels really good. But then all of a sudden, they're wearing the heart rate monitor and they're not doing a meditation. And their heart is in coherence for an entire hour and they're unpacking their suitcase and they're getting ready for bed. And this spontaneous feeling of love, just the body starts wanting to feel that because it's been conditioned to feel that no different than be con being conditioned to fear. So it, it, we have to practice sustaining it. That's the key, right? So if you can sustain it more and more and practice with your heart, it'll get better. It'll get deeper. It'll get richer. It'll get more profound. It'll, it'll keep changing as you keep doing it. And, and uh, for me, it, it, it's still changing. It, it still changes for me. So simple technique, rest your attention, and then after you rest your attention in there, slow your breathing down, bring up an elevated emotion, feel it within you, tune in, radiate it, you know, um, uh, shine, I don't know, whatever it is that it is for you to glow in your heart there. And, um, and then we see this parasympathetic nervous system drop down. And here comes the sympathetic nervous system coming up. And now the person's relaxed in their heart. And they're moving into this gamma brainwave pattern. All of a sudden, waves start building on waves. They're standing waves. And all of a sudden, right up to the brain and the person is out of the program. They're conscious now. They're relaxed in the present moment and awake in the brain. That sympathetic arousal is awakening the brain, creating that wonderful feeling of wakefulness, of bliss, of ecstasy, of uh, uh, a joy for existence, a gratitude, like I love being alive. And when that occurs, pro-social networks in the brain switch on and instead of being protective and separate and survival, those pro-social networks cause us to want to connect and connect and commune and, and form tribes and form communities and take care of one another and support each other and love one another and heal one another and shine for one another and, and inform one another and honor one another and respect one another. That's what happens when, when this when this center kind of opens up and it's a different consciousness. It's an emergent, it's an emergent consciousness. So we tend to be more present and appreciative when we're truly in this state. And that's why wow. it's mind, body, and soul healing. All of this work is healing everything. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you know, if you want to just touch on the soul for a second, I do think that, you know, the soul's really interested in adventure. 
It really wants new experiences, right? And it can't go on to the next experience if it's stuck in an emotion from the past. It can't go. It can't go because it, that emotion's keeping the person anchored to the memories and the stories that go along with it. I would never tell a person to relive their past. I would always tell them to just overcome the emotion because the memory without the emotional charge is wisdom and that's what the soul wants. Like, I'm done with that. I'm done, I got the wisdom from it. I got, I got all of eternity. I got a long time to figure this out. So I'm, I might as well create an, the next experience. So I think they all heal kind of simultaneously, you know, one, one with the next. Yeah, I think one of the big things that happened for me too at the event was, and I didn't realize that you, like I said, you see so many of the things that you need to fix or you need more of. And I was like, oh, I started feeling my heart. And, and I realized I wasn't loving myself. I wasn't loving my brain. I wasn't loving my body. And so now I have like that whole practice every day where I tell myself that I love myself. I tell myself what I'm proud of or what I've done that was good and what I'm working on. And um, and I tell my brain that I love it and my body that I love it. Don't let your heart love your brain. Just like it's, it's basically when the heart and the brain are coherent, there's a love affair Yeah. between the heart and the brain. It's, it's one of the most beautiful things. It really is a love affair. The heart, well, I'm telling you, it just loves the brain. It's yeah. an amazing thing. And love and gratitude will, will heal too. And it's like the hippie stuff is kind of real. It's like it really is about love yeah. and having compassion for people where they're at because they haven't gotten to that next level yet. They haven't gotten a tool yet that they need, whatever it is. Um, so I think that that was another thing that I learned. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about the things that I learned. I want to know one last thing. What is your vision from here? Yeah, well... Um, Where gosh, does this go? Where do you go? Gosh, um, there's so many... Um, wonderful things that are happening right now just with our research. You know, I was on the phone with one of the top researchers in our in our um, scientific team and uh, just every day the data that we're discovering is so important for people to know. I want to give people um, my greatest understanding of the truth and numerous opportunities to experience it. I I want to free their minds and open their hearts with a simple formula that leads them to a door, right? A door of unlimited possibilities. And I want the door to show people that they are greater than they think, more powerful than they know, more unlimited than, than they could ever dream. And, and I think by providing people the science and taking it to a point where it's understandable and digestible, changes a consciousness. It changes a collective consciousness. Uh, and, and the testimonials are so important because those four-minute miles are uh, opportunities for people to, to believe in themselves again because someone else is doing it, right? So, so a, an emergent consciousness, emergence in biology, you know, those flocks of birds and schools of mm -hmm. fish that are moving and behaving in the same way. There's no leader in that process. It's not a top-down phenomenon. Everybody's leading, right? So the coming of a new consciousness is, it, it can't be done uh, with the same consciousness that's created the problems that we have in the world today, you know? And I think well, no matter what you believe, what, I think one thing that everybody is aware of that something doesn't feel right, you know? So, so providing people with the information, the right information that allows them to believe in themselves and to believe in possibility. The side effect of all of this is some of some really cool things happening in medical schools where they want to 
investigate what we're doing and bring it into medical schools uh, in operating rooms now uh, mm. with Navy SEALs uh, and, and veterans with trauma. Uh, we are working with um, prisons and, and... That was amazing, actually, a lot those of prisons. stories. Yeah, a lot of some great prisons. And nobody's talking to these people about why they did what they did and what it really means to change, especially the ones that are going to walk out into the same environment, you know. So, so um, yeah, we're working with uh, lots of companies and organizations around the world and teaching them what true change means in the neuroscience of culture and how you, how you change a culture, what it takes to change a culture, and what it takes to change individuals. So, uh, and then, you know, then there's all kinds of fun things. Like I'm, in, I'm so invested in our youth community right now uh, because they are the seeds of the future. And uh, they're going to have to resolve the problems that were given to them from a greater level of consciousness. And they have to learn the principles of leadership. They have to ingrain that in them and embody it. Uh, they have to understand their hormones. They have to understand values. They have to understand how to create from the field instead of from matter so they can shorten the distance between the thought of what they want and the experience of having it without having to work so hard to get it. And so we're investing a lot of uh, my time and energy into, into our youth. And every event that we do, we have over 100 kids under the age of 25 that come. And, and they're very passionate. And I, and I, I take time. Uh, I go and see them uh, after I walk off the, the stage or at the end of the day. And I, t I talk to them and, and I say, listen, I don't care if you go to school or you, 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 you teach yourself. Just get really, really, really good at one thing. Just be, just own it. Just know that you know that you're the best at it. You do that, you'll always be valued. So, um, so many crazy things, so many wonderful things are happening um, with with um, where we're at right now. So I'm pretty excited. I like the idea for, I know you're getting close um, to be able to go to children's hospitals yeah. and do coherence healings. In well, there. we had a woman in the event in uh, San Diego who... Uh, who is the, the top administrator for a children's hospital in, in Mexico City, and she had a profound, mm. profound healing, profound healing really? from her disease. And she's ready, you know, and I'm not going to do it uh, until I have the data that shows that our community, uh, one out of two times, can produce a change that's eight, nine, or 10 out of 10 in a person's health. When we're 50% and we have all of our all the research that we're doing with all the questionnaires and all the epigenetic studies we're doing on the HEALEs and the heart coherence. You know, we're, we're measuring to see if everybody's in, co in a state of coherence when everybody's in the, you know, in the cage, when they're, when they're healing another person. We're looking at the data. So when our data's all sorted out and we're uh, 50%, um, that's when I'll be very comfortable in, in walking in there and, and changing children's lives, you know, children with cancer and children with tumors and children with all kinds of health conditions. We had we're, we're seeing crazy stuff happening with this orphanage that we're working with in Mexico right now with, you know, kids born with a lot of uh, health conditions and, and tremendous reversal in, in their, in their, in their bodies. So it's pretty cool. Thank you. Because this all started with you believing that you could heal yourself and think of that ripple effect now, how massive that one decision to say, no, I'm going to go do this myself. And to believe in yourself, you've shown so many people that they can have that same belief in themselves and that they can heal themselves. So thank you, because I look forward to calling you after my next MRI. I have very, very vivid visions. 
um, where Dr. Black walks in the room and he has the same stoic face. And I'm like, just tell me, don't beat around the bush. Tell me. And then, and then he tells me and he says, you're a remarkable young woman. Cause that's something he would say. And then I start screaming and I roll around the ground like a pig and shit. And I get so excited. And then I, um, I see, I see myself on stage giving my testimony. I have very, very clear visions of how this is all coming together. Um, so I can't wait to give you that call. And I am so grateful like forever grateful. Oh, okay, you. before I cry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Wow. I feel really, really grateful that we Me got too. two hours of his time because he is a busy man traveling all over the world nonstop, giving these events and, and teachings to people. Um, what do you two feel like now? Because I know that the first interview I did with him years ago was um was in sometimes some moments hard for you guys to grasp do you feel clearer on it much and i think honestly the difference is you've now gone through it all Mm. and so like so many people and i I know i can speak for myself i learn through you right so it's like when you're talking it out real time it really helps me and then it's like it makes him have to be the teacher a little bit more but then you're also the teacher so yeah i felt like there was a lot of things that I was jaw on the floor in here, like very, like that clicked, it clicked for me. Um, so yeah, I feel like I definitely. So what's your biggest takeaway for you? Like not, you don't have to read notes. What clicked in your heart for you after now two parts of Dr. Joe? I liked the swapping panic attacks for love attacks because I think that that's something that I recently have really had kind of an aha with is, Oh yeah, I don't, Kind of like you were saying, I don't love myself. I've never, I've fought with my body since I could remember. And I have all these stomach issues, no doubt, because I'm fighting with my body. So it's like, yeah, swap the panic for love. And like you were saying at the end, it really is kind of like the hippy dippy, but like, it's about love. Mm-hmm. It's about, we heard that from the woman this week too, surrendering and loving yourself. And I really think that like, it's that simple. And and you're pure, like you're love, Kelsey. So Mm -hmm. if you're not loving yourself, you really can't, they say you really can't love others. So the same thing about me where I'm like, well, I love people and I love helping people and I'm super compassionate, but if I can't give it to myself, really, truly, am I really giving everything when I give it? I don't know. Well, that's probably where it's like we get so depleted, right? Because it's like, we're not, we're just giving it all. And it's almost like a... I wouldn't say it's a fake give because it's authentic. No, of course. But, but you really aren't giving to yourself. You're just giving it all to everyone else. Great breakthrough right there. Yeah. So you can probably give so much more if you were giving to yourself. Oh, for sure. I am. Yeah. Oh, it's a whole other thing now. Pooj, what takeaway for you at 22? Arrived 22. 22. Yeah. Arrived 22. 22. (laughs) Sorry. My head's in the corner for people on YouTube. Um, My biggest thing was I, you've talked about how thoughts can make you sick and I didn't not believe it, but I haven't really heard the science behind it Mm. when he was explaining how like your fear protein is like, uh, released when you're like in those thoughts. It takes it from your DNA. Right. Yeah. Like it's actually like producing a cheaper and like less effective protein than, you know, versus Mm -hmm. feelings of love or gratitude. I was like, oh my God, like our body's literally producing like these quote unquote bad proteins. I know that's not the best term for it, but, but it's actually making you sick. And when he was saying how he did a study where people, um, 
like they he tried to like get them to feel emo- like good emotions for 15 minutes and their immune system immune systems like improved by 50%. I was like how can you argue with like science, you know, like it's yeah. data. I think the the study was four days of treating negative thoughts and emotions for positive ones raises your IgA levels by 50%. It's amazing. It's if incredible. we know that, now we can do so much with it. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I, I mean 40 million, I don't know, it's stupid how many millions of people have autoimmune conditions. And if you just do this work, you can shift that, you know, turn that button off and turn on a new button that's actually going to be healing you. And then you're changing yourself, which is going to make you happier in your own body. So it's like he said, you can eat all the green juices and the ketos and the whatevers. He laughs, he jokes about all of us with our diets and our Mm -hmm. whatevers there at the event. He's like, it's you, it's your thoughts. It's not as much about what you're eating because you can be eating really well. There's nothing wrong with eating well, obviously. We all want to eat well too. But it's not just the eating well. It's feeding your mind well along with everything else. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeding your mind well, those little other things won't trigger as much. Like I know I have a friend who is gluten-free who's doing the work and she was like, you know, I tested it out and I had gluten and I was fine. Huh. I wow. did the same. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it's not yeah. that. It's the other stuff that's killing us. It's, it's your mind. It's, and, and it's crazy because when you think about we're all just out there in this world and we're all doing the same things. We're getting together. We're complaining about our problems. We're complaining about our health. We're complaining about politics. All that is energy that you are now experiencing like spending out on that when you could reserve it, maybe have positive conversations about like the good things in our lives. We never really do that. Right. And then when someone does say it and everyone else is miserable, you're like, well, why can't you be happy for my success? (laughs) Because we're not conditioned to talk about that stuff. So we've got to change the conversation. We have to change, you know, our patterns, our redundant patterns that we're doing every day thinking we're going to have, it's like they say, like you you can't do the same things and expect different results. So switch it up, go on a hike, different hikes, go have a different coffee every day, whatever you can do that's different will change your brain because now your brain isn't using the same program every day. You're changing up the monotony with variety and with variety comes unknown. Oh, a new flavor of the coffee. Wow. That's cool. Oh, a new, a new hike. That's a whole new experience. That's fun. You got to change shit up. Yeah. And that's how you change you, you know, and, and it's just, we aren't doing that and no one's teaching us to do that. And that's why I'm so passionate about this because even though it seems hard, it's not. You know what else too he, I like about him? It's like, he makes it seem not hard, but he also is like, you're not good or bad. It's not black or white. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. Like I wrote down the whole, it's not about ha- not having the emotional reaction. It's about shortening that like yeah. reaction time. Yeah. Cause and we're I'll, human. We're going to get mad. Yeah, it's not exactly. being positive and happy. Like you're punching me in the face. Thank you. Right. right. It's shortening the experience exactly. that you're going to give that energy, that anger out for. Right. Right. doesn't mean we don't want to suppress our anger, especially as women. Cause that's all we've been taught to do. Right let it out. But how long are you going to live in it? And then are you going to tell the story 10 different times that where you're reliving those emotions? And now because it's in the past, we also embellish the story, whether we like it or not, 50% of it isn't true anyway. And then you're living in those emotions as you're retelling the story. 
Yep. What, what, <laughs> what are we doing to ourselves? Yeah. But we didn't know this. I didn't know this. I was doing this. You know what's so crazy this weekend? So I went home for a family wedding and there was something that happened that like made my mom upset. I was like, like that someone did to my sisters. And I, my, I was like, mom, I literally use your analogy, Marie, of the energy reserve. I picked up a water bottle and I go, no, you didn't. I, on my life. I was like, mom, this is our energy. Like, what do you want to give it to? Cause I thought it was hysterical. I was like, this is so funny that they're doing this. Like they're how old and they're, and they're doing this to like 20 year olds. Like this is funny, but my mom didn't find it funny. Um, and I was like, mom, like what's, what's the point now you're calling like my sisters and then you're calling my dad, like, Oh, guess what happened? I'm like, and we're all together as a family. This doesn't happen very often. We're all like in different cities. Like, why are we giving this energy to people that don't deserve it? Like, let's reserve this energy. Like we went in this water bottle and we should, and it really clicked. She was like, call your sisters right now and tell them what you just told me. And like, she, it really clicked. And then again, this morning, I guess something must have happened like in her day. And she's like, but like, I, I thought of what you said. And I was like, wow, like what's the point of giving away this energy? And I was like, this is so funny because we're talking to the man himself today. So I just had to say that it's, it's really, it's, helping a lot a lot of people so oh that makes me so happy you're passing on the messages kevin is actually getting it and not getting annoyed with me because the other day we were with a friend in the kitchen and she's you know they're having these like very intense conversations and and i go kevin you have so little energy you're so burnt out look at how much you're using on something that has nothing to do with you no attachment to you, no connection to you. Because everyone's all hyped up about talking about politics. Everyone's hyped up about talking whatever happened. And then, guys, we can talk about it. But you're going to level 10. You're using up so much energy. So he's actually really getting that now. And he's sharing the lessons. And here's the good thing about it, Pooj. As Dr. Joe says, the more you're explaining what you're learning, the more you're firing and wiring it into your brain. Mm. So for me, that's how I learned in school. I would take the information and be like, wait a second. So it's this, 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 and this. And they'd say, yeah. And I'm like, okay, got it. That would then connect it for me. I can't just read it or I couldn't just read it and, and have it really just get in there. That's how I got it in there. I knew I had to fire and wire it into my brain. So he's doing it. You're doing it. I'm doing it. Kelsey, I'm sure is doing it or Heck is going yeah. to be doing it. I, I write it down. Like I'm going to take these notes and I'm going to go color code it with all my markers at home. Like that's how I, cause I'm the same way. I either have to speak it out or I have to write it out or else it's like, poof, same another me, yeah. tool with collecting dust in my shed. But I'm yeah. like, no, I want these to solidify. Yeah. Well, that's why when I came home, I was like, okay, I was nervous at first after the event. How am I going to keep this? knowledge and how am I going to keep this real? So it's building and connecting more and more and more in my brain. So it never leaves me. So I made a plan and I was like, I'm going to do all of these meditations. I'm going to go all in, really devote myself to this because I do want to change and I do want to heal and I do want to get better. And, and then in the mornings I listen to him now on my, on my YouTube. So I'll find something to listen to. And so I'm, I'm continuously getting those lessons because sometimes you know, you get 30% of it and you miss 10 and you're okay. Now I'll get the other 10. Now I'll get the other 5% tomorrow. And so I'm continuously staying entrenched in the work so mm-hmm. that I can keep in that zone and keep getting better. So I'm really happy that you were able to have that breakthrough for your mom because a wedding's a really joyous occasion. And you know what? People really 
tend to be, um, to misbehave in those moments yep. <laughs> and it really takes us down. And, uh, that's why I never wanted to have a wedding. And oh my God. that's why my weddings were so unconventional, <laughs> but still cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad that you'll be able to, able to pass it on. And that's what makes me so excited about what we do here every single day, because we, we three and Kevin four, most of the time he's with us and Winnie and Winchenza. Uh, we're all growing every day. Mm-hmm. We're all getting better. Like there's nothing more exciting in life than getting better, I think. Because, and learning, yeah. Because imagine us in our other worlds. Like I know my other worlds. I wasn't getting better. I was getting worse. And every day here, we're getting better and we're doing it together because we're better together. Shoot, what? I didn't even expect that. <laughs> and we have our Heel Squad that does it with us, who supports us and loves us. So Heel Squad, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for being on this journey with us every single day and for hanging in with us on the tough times because we've had a lot of tough times over the years with illness and stuff and needing breaks. And you guys are always there and supportive. So thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for being with us. Any new friends here that have come to us because of Dr. Joe's work? Um, we do this every single day with different modalities. We're searching, we're learning, we're growing. So I hope you guys will stay with us on this journey as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, by the way. And in the meantime, as I always say, be nice people, make good choices and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.